to the Championships edition of the Should Have Backed It podcast. The Queen Elizabeth was billed as the race of the year, and it took the ride of the century to win it, with Think It Over surprising many to storm down the outside rail for a remarkable win. I'm Phil Georgios, and to talk through day two of the Championships in Sydney, I'm joined by News Corp racing editor Chris Venuccio. It's great to have you back, Big V. Now, Given the conditions of the track, I'm just interested in your thoughts. Should the race has been postponed on the weekend? Well, hello, Phil. That's a, a loaded question to start off with. And I thought I'd get you fired up, mate. Yeah, well, um, before I get to that question, it's good to see you, you're out of your coma after first Zaki and then Collingwood losing <laughs> later that night. So good to see you. You've woken up from that. But, uh, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I think they should have waited a week to, to run it. I know that's that might be a bit... Uh, contentious, but I think the worst thing for racing New South Wales was they didn't get any rain or they didn't get a, a bucket of rain on Saturday morning. It might have made the decision earlier, but that was a, an extremely heavy track. And for what's supposed to be a grand final day for these horses, and we're talking about quality horses that are they're running out there, it was really tough for them. And, and if you're in the second half of the field, you pretty much had no chance to win. So I don't think it was a, a fair playing field for, for uh, for the for the runners out there, and you know, thirty five horses were beaten by more than ten lengths, and that that's a big number. You know, Twelve to thirteen horses pulled up with a slow recovery. Another horse pulled up lame, tough conditions, and and I reckon if you ran the Derby on those conditions, I don't think Katotsu would have won that race, and yeah, you know, just it, it made for a very tough day, and and I think they should have postponed it a week. Well, I think most of those horses you talked about were the ones I backed Big V because I didn't have a great day and I'm not sure it was a great day overall for punters. And yeah, you're right. Um, I'm still wondering how Zaki didn't win that race, but we'll we'll touch on the Queen Elizabeth, yeah. no doubt, moving forward. But uh, you sent me a picture of earlier in the days. Is that right, Big V, that they had a, a helicopter trying to uh, dry the track out? Yeah, it looked like they were a bit desperate there. I don't think that's the right thing to do because... You know, how much of the track are you going to dry out? And and then, you know, you can't dry up the whole track, so you're probably going to have a bit of track bias there. I don't think that's fair either. So, yeah, I just I think, think that's that sh- a bit uh, think it over ran down, wasn't it, where, yeah. the, where the helicopter was? Yeah, probably. That's probably where he was. And, <laughs> and, yeah, I think it's just showing a bit of desperation there. So, yeah, I think that's just an indication in itself. They shouldn't have run. I know the track was safe. The pro- track was probably safe to run on, but it just – made it very tough to win and you know we can go straight to the queen elizabeth i reckon because i think very elegant and jewess there were there were no hope in that race and you're already you're ruling out nearly half the field more so i think if you you weren't in the first four very difficult to win well it's interesting you say that big v i mean the race was built around those big five top hopes in the race and interestingly uh three of the top four were not one of those top five and mount popper which was well back in the field, actually ran on really well for third. And I thought that was just about the run of the day um, across across Randwick, how it did that um, in that field. But yeah, look, I, at the 200, mate, I, I thought that uh, Think It Over had lost a plot and was going, going, you know, running off the course. So I was, I was never more confident than I was with Zaki at, at the 200. And they ended up really gapping the rest of the field. And yeah, not, not, not many ran on. And even, yeah, great horses that we thought could handle those sort of conditions like Animo, uh, tailing off to a distant last. Yeah, Zaki looked home at the 200, thought he was going to 
win easily. If it wasn't for Nash and his ride on Think It Over, I the Queen Elizabeth would have been anticlimactic because of those track conditions. It just those horses I've mentioned before, very elegant, Duas, Animo, even even you mentioned Mount Popper. I mean they had no hope of winning. That was a, that was a big performance by Mount Popper and Team Hawks having back to his best after an ordinary spring campaign. But you know, Nash, I reckon, saved the race. It was, you know, as you said, billed as the, the race of the it was billed as the race of the century and the race of the decade, the race of the autumn carnival. And I think Nash saved it with his with his ride. Well it'll certainly go down in infamy now uh, after that performance. But Big V, um who did you end up settling on in the race, and uh, were there anything? Were there any interesting fluctuations in the market? Well, I was really keen on Duas, as I mentioned last week, and because of the way the track was playing, I just I stayed out of the race because I just didn't think that you know he, he had his chance from from barrier nine was always going to get back in the field, and I thought that was a, a good performance by Duas. Couldn't win from the position she was in. Um, I think with the fluctuations, there was some money for Montefilia, $8 into 6 and that pushed the prices of Very Elegant and Zaki. And, you know, Zaki got, went out to $5. Did you? What price did you get for him? Well, I got 5 as well, but I must say I was monitoring the price all day, and actually he was at $6 for most of the day. So that price actually got wound in. But one, well, the reason I asked you about the price, Big V, is that I noticed across the entire day, there wasn't much market movement. I'm not sure if that's because money was being evenly spread amongst runners or just there was a lack of confidence amongst punters. But no, no, none of, in none of the races did the market really shift dramatically across the entire card. Yeah, I think probably has to do with the, the weather conditions and and not knowing which horses were going to handle it. I mean, you can go to the form guide and look at the heavy track form, but I don't think this was a heavy 10. I think this was this was a lot heavier than that. And... You know, even a horse like Very Elegant, Chris Waller's saying that you know she probably doesn't handle it when it's too heavy, and she was she was one that eased out late. You know, three thirty out to three eighty. I mean, in the Queen Elizabeth, there was only really two significant moves, and that was Montefilia, as I mentioned before, and Very Elegant just drifting a little bit, but still jumping out favourite. I I couldn't have Very Elegant based on her last couple of runs. We're going to talk about her later on in the in the podcast, but I just thought that her lead-up run didn't really warrant her being a really short favourite, so I'm not surprised that she eased out a little bit. But I thought that, you know, not with Chris Waller and what he did with Nature Strip in the TJ, you know, maybe she might have pulled out a really big performance on her grand final, but, yeah, I think she ran to her last start run. Yeah, the only reason I stayed off very elegant was the price. Um, I just found better value in Zaki at those price discrepancies. Um, if you'd switched the prices, I probably would have backed very elegant, yeah. to be honest. But And I, and I yeah. think with Zaki, it probably came down to if he handled the heavy track because he was going to get a soft lead, as we saw during the day. It was advantageous to be up on the speed. And I think he's still the premier 2,000-meter horse in the country, so nothing to change that, even though he got beat. But he just got beat by think it over, finding the you know a drier section of the track. And the other horse you mentioned before, Animo, disappointing to see him finish last, but he pulled up with a poor recovery. And maybe he peaked in the, the Randwick Guineas, as we mentioned, with Converge last week. And 
Although he won the Rosehill Guineas by seven lengths, it wasn't a strong performance on the clock compared to, I think, Montefilia on the same day. So, yeah, probably he had his peak run in the Randwick Guineas and, you know, he'll go for a spell, I suggest, and hopefully we see him back in the spring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly none of the horses disgraced themselves yesterday. But Big V, there's a reason I would do the run sheet. And the reason is you've jumped out, should have backed it and should have sacked it. So I'm just going to get us back on course. And I want to hear who your should have backed it and should have sacked it were for this week. Well, my should have backed it on making Bella Nipentina in the last race at Randwick. And the reason for that is I was... Looking at, I was reading James McDonald's column that he wrote for RaceNet and for News Corp, and he made Ballinipatina his best ride for the day. And he said that he chased hard to get on to get that ride. And I thought, oh, I better have something on her, and completely forgot about it. So that's you know why, why I made because her my best. James is obviously a listener of the Should Have Backed It podcast. Because I think you had Ballinipatina as a horse to follow. It might have been last week or the week before. And you asked me the question, what do we do with Bella Nipotina? I said, group one, just let her get her, go around. But if she's in a group two, jump on board, get it, get, in, get on that. And you said, okay, we'll do that. And look what happened, mate. Get a nice little price, $6, $7, and uh, finish your day the, the right way. I just forgot about her. And then I thought the way the track was, you know, she might get back. But James McDonald rode her well and... Yeah, I just missed out. Just missed out, and because I forgot. But I, um, I hear that uh, you had something on her. I think as well. Only, only one I backed at Randwick all day, Big V. The rest of them were in that beaten by ten lengths brigade. Anyway, let's get your should have backed it. Well, my should have backed it is uh, in the same race as my should have sacked it, Big V, and it's the Queen of the Turf. A great race, by the way, and a great field, um, as we've come to expect with that race. But I've got Nimalee as my should have backed it and Fangirl as my should have sacked it. Um, basically, Nimalee, $31. Would have been nice to have a couple bucks on her. I've certainly um, been involved in the past and, and I think handles the heavy track and we know that. So I'm a little bit disappointed. I just didn't have a little nibble there at the, at the big price. I probably would have been saying the same thing if Anna, Anna Visto had got the job done as well, Big V, because there were some juicy odds floating around in that race. But um, my should have sacked it was Fangirl. Um, given that she gets back and we knew by, by that part of the day that they weren't running on, it was probably not the soundest bet, um, particularly at the price, sort of single digits. So I was a little bit disappointed. And I must admit, I had the regrets even before the race started when I kind of thought about it a little bit more deeply. So there, my should have backed it and should have sacked it for the week. But uh, we'll just head back to earlier in the day at Randwick Big V for your should have sacked it. Yeah, I'm going to make it Lock Eagle in race two. And that was the spruik of the day after straight Aaron one last week, and that was the the form line. And, and I think when a horse carries the weight of the country, you know, they regularly get beaten. I th- think in the end he was under the odds, you know, around that uh, $2 mark. And this was a pretty decent field that it was up against. And, yeah, I just think I just followed the all the, the spruik and the hype about it, and I should have made a better assessment that this was quite a um, – a good field, and and also not a, not taking away from his performance. I just he just found the leader hard to run past, and maybe that was due to the track conditions. 
Yeah, it can sometimes be hard to, to miss a wave of money or a wave of support or if all the, the pro tipsters like yourself, Big V, are, are jumping on a horse. Um, but sometimes it does pay to do a little bit of your own research as well. But <laughs> I must say, um, I didn't get involved in one of the early races in Randwick and I'm glad I didn't because I, I wouldn't have got near it at that point either. But, mate, we might move along to a couple of the bigger group ones of the day. We've obviously already touched on the Queen Elizabeth and... I touched briefly on the Queen of the Turf in my should have backed it and should have sacked it, but I'm interested in your views on that race, mate, and what you make it made of the winner Nimalee and you know, pretty juicy start to the quaddy. Yeah, great ride by Ollie. Had her in a really good position where she can win. A lot of these horses came out from the the same lead up race, and Ana Visto bounced back from getting beat last start at two dollars sixty. So yeah, she was a pretty decent price at sixteen dollars for. You know, just one bad run where she was second up and probably a little bit flat from a big first up performance. So, you know, she was two dollars sixty that day, and she's you know paid sixteen here. So I think she was in hindsight over the odds. Ice bath hard for her to win from the position she was in, and you know, good good effort to run third. She's Question won- on ice bath, Big V. While you're talking about her, um. Do you get the impression she's just running into third every race now? Just one of those sort of horses that, you know, always is running on, probably has some nice sectional times in amongst it all, but just isn't quite getting the job done? Yeah, you're making a good point there. She's becoming a a bit of a non-winner and just, you know, just a horse that just likes to, you know, run on with the the rest of the pack and not really savaging the line as you'd want to see. But she doesn't do herself any favours by, you know, getting, you know, back in the field and not putting herself in a position. but. Yeah, you know, that's the way she's. You know, that's the way she's. Um, you know that they they ride her, and yeah, there's a there's a bit of that as well. You know, so that's a, a good point that you've made. Um, rest of the field, I thought Yance was a good effort going up in class. Uh, Lighthouse maybe one run too many. You know, they they ran in the Doncaster after she had an elevated temperature lead in the lead up. So I know this is a Group One, and you always get tempted, but. You know, I thought she'd done her job for the prep. You mentioned Fangirl. I just thought, you know, why why bother running her? She she won a Group 1 last start on a better track and she struggled on the heavy this campaign and you got a, you know, heavy 15 probably on, on the day. So I just think that, you know, maybe they should have just put her away after winning that Group 1 and just focused on the spring and some drier tracks. And Colette just had a forgettable preparation. You know, she was given her chance, second in position in the run, and pulled up with a slow recovery. Yeah, it has been a bit of a disappointing one for Colette for a, for a number of reasons. But in the past, if you saw a track like that, um, the money would have just flooded in for a horse like her. And I think she did end up starting favourite, but yeah, didn't quite get the job done again. So hopefully... Um, goes away, has a spell, and then maybe comes back for bigger and better things in the spring. Um, the next race I wanted to talk about, though, Big V, it actually was the first leg of the quaddy. I think I mentioned that the Queen of the Turf might have been, but it was the Sydney Cup. Interestingly run race, and um, a I thought surprising winner, although I see here that it was a SP of $8.50, so I must have been the only one that was surprised. Yeah, I thought that uh, yeah, he was a chance. I, I was on Stockman and he got too far back. But Knight's Order is a good 3,200-metre horse. Didn't have a, a great spring campaign, but he's back to his... Yeah, he's found some good form this campaign and I thought he was a chance. And 
just given an excellent ride by Rachel King, just controlled the race and never looked like getting beaten. Well, you mentioned Stockman. I, I thought that was a huge run. I mean, Stockman and Crystal Pegasus, I don't know what they were doing 20 lengths, second last and last, the two race favourites. But you knew as soon as they hit that spot 2,600 metres out, they weren't going to figure in the finish in this race. So, I mean, you've got some pretty good jockeys there. I mean, Jamie Carr was a rider of of Crystal Pegasus. She certainly knows what she's doing. But it just seemed quite unusual that they just sat there and, and didn't really ever get themselves in the race. It was pretty tough from barrier 18 to, to do something for Crystal Pegasus. But I, I thought with Stockman, just given no chance and there was not much initiative with the ride on him. So I thought there was an opportunity for Stockman to maybe you know, come across and you know, there's a lot of horses that were hanging out wide when they jumped out of the barrier. So there was an opportunity for you know one or two of them to make a, a quick dash to the rail and try and get somewhere closer. But yeah, that was going to be tough for them. You know, Shiraz has run second and that horse was third on the inside. And you look at... Um, Dash and Sweet Junior, I thought that was a good performance as well. Long prep for that horse as well, and that was a good effort. And I'll be interested to see um, what he can do in the spring. Well, you know when the fourth horse, Future Score, is 11.5 lengths behind the winner, that uh, nothing was running on in that particular race, Big V. And I'm just going down to Tiger Tiger, who was over 100 lengths from the from the uh, the winner at the end of the race. So, yeah, certainly tested them. And it was a great win. And we'll, interesting to see how Future Score progresses um, as we move towards the spring, with no doubt races such as the Melbourne Cup, again, in its, um, in its view. But we'll now move to the final group one that we want to talk about today anyway, Big V. And that was the the Australian Oaks, which was won by Al Patroness at another juicy price of $31. Yeah, that was a strong performance by Al Patroness. And, and I was pretty confident with Gypsy Goddess at the 600, but Al Patroness was just cruising when they were into the straight and really had Gypsy Goddess off the bit. And it was surprising to see... Gypsy Goddess leading early, and and then Willie Pike allowed Commando Drift just to come across, and and she was able to get in that one one position. She was smashed late and betting five dollars into four. I thought I might have got the uh, the five dollars with the starting price, but I was surprising to surprising to see her on the speed. But in the end, it was a great ride by Willie Pike. Gave her a chance because if she got back in the field, she would have had none, and and that's the same. That's um how it panned out for Honey Creeper. Huge run by her, just got too far back. And, you know, that was a big performance. And, uh, again, we just saw in this race that it was tough to make up ground. And when you got the, the third horse, Gin Martini, who paid $91, you know, on the speed there, it that highlights that it was really tough going. Yeah, I think the horse I was on was hinged and I just I was watching it obviously and it, it loomed to to get into the race but I must say it looked to be not stumbling but just not handling the straight um all the way down you know 
dipping and, and not looking comfortable at all. And I must say, to its credit, held on for fourth, which for, for bonus bet chases was a, a nice little reward. But, yeah, a, a great win and it really seemed to handle the ground well and, and really streaked away from the field, Al Patroness. So certainly all honours to the winner there. Yeah, it's a good reward for Danny O'Brien. Al Patroness was heading towards the BRC Oaks in the spring but just had a, a tough run in one of her lead-up runs. And, and I think it was in the... Um, in, in the wakeful where she really had a a f- really flat performance after a gut buster and and that and they decided not to go towards the BRC Oaks so they've come out here and they've got one in the autumn. Now Big V, uh, we of course were racing at Caulfield and you were um, very keen to tell me just before the podcast that you managed to pick or tip four winners um, as part of your duties there. Um, with the Herald Sun. So, obviously, you had a good day there as well. Anything that stood out for you? Yeah, there's a few decent races there. I didn't get too involved because there's a lot of, you know, Benchmark 64 form from, you know, different tracks, you know, all coming together. You know, we're just getting started into some off-season racing and I just wanted to get a feel for um, some of these form lines that are going to come out. But I thought Deep Strike was a really good performance in the second race, strung two wins together now, and I think there's a lot more upside with Deep Strike. And I think the the, the race to follow is the sixth race, won by Scissor Step, and I think Magic Max is another horse to follow as well. The first two in that in that race, Scissor Step and Magic Max, are the ones to keep an eye on. Jumping ahead in segments there with your horses to follow, Big V. But you've uh, managed to, to pick two horses that I actually got on on the weekend. So nice to hear that you were um, obviously very involved as well yourself there, Big V. But what we want now, now that we've had a bit of a look at all the big ones there in Sydney and, of course, a very quick glimpse at Caulfield is your top three. So obviously we understand how this works now, Big V. We've got a gold, silver, bronze style set up, podium finish. And uh, what were your top three winners or runs of the day? In third spot, I'm going to give to El Patroness. I just thought she was you know, too strong for her opposition. In second, I'm going with Mazu. I think he is the next sprint star, and I underestimated him a bit. I went with in the Congo, and um, I just thought Mazu needed to make the step up, and that's what he did. And the top performer, I had to give it to Think It Over for the simple fact that he doesn't like running on heavy tracks, and he was able to overcome that and, you know, just pull off an upset over Zaki. So they're the 3-2-1 this weekend, Phil. Well, yeah, and um, thanks again for throwing to me, Big V, my 3-2-1 for the week. Um, I'm going to be controversial, Big V, because you told me this was top three winners because I wanted to do top three runs, but I've decided to, to go and do my own thing here, and I want to do top three runs of the day. I put Zaki at third. I know it didn't win, but I'm still not sure how it didn't win. I would need to watch that race another 100 times, and I still wouldn't work it out. Um, Knight's Order at number two. I thought that was a really dominant win in the Sydney Cup and a really impressive effort. Um, not easy conditions, 3,200 metres in those conditions. So number two. And I, I don't think we can't have – like we both got Think It Over as number one. I think that's the obvious choice from the day. It was certainly the most interesting ride of the day and then um, made the Queen Elizabeth, as you say, 
from potentially a bit of a snooze fest into a race we'll be talking about for many years. So they're my three, two, ones, Big V. Yeah, that's why I didn't throw it to you because you don't like to follow the rules. <laughs> Oh, I think you really wanted this segment to be your own, Big V. You're not you're not happy to share it, so we might just have to do a bit of tweaking. And I don't want to get in your way, mate, because obviously the listeners want to hear about your three, two, one. But what we might do now, mate, is just ask a couple of little questions um, that have come out of this meeting. I think, um, and my question for you is around very elegant. So you did mention very very elegant, obviously, when we were talking about the Queen Elizabeth and. Um, it had been flagged if she certainly if she had won that she'd be heading off overseas uh, potentially to run in the ARC. I haven't heard. It's only a, a day later, obviously, uh, what connections are planning to do. But in your opinion, should she head over there? No decision yet. But as much as I'd love to see her go overseas and run in the ARC, I I don't think her past couple of runs are up to that type of standard. I know she's won a, a Group One a couple of starts ago, the Chipping Norton, and you. You'll probably bring that up, but I you know that because I told you that, Big V. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I know you did say that off air, and you'll, that's probably one point that you're going to rebut me on. But I, I just thought for a campaign that was going to be set for the arc, that winning, maybe winning second up, maybe might have just tipped her over, and you know she was a, you know, a bit flat in the Randvet, not disgrace, but yeah, you know, she was a dollar twenty four favorite that got beat, and then. Here she's been, you know, she's, she was well beat in the Queen Elizabeth, albeit on a very, very heavy track. Maybe in the arc you're not going to get, you're going to get softish conditions that might suit her, but I would have wanted her to go overseas going to better form and, you know, she's well off that Melbourne Cup performance and I, I just think that, you know, you know, maybe that winning the Chipping Norton maybe, maybe done her more harm than good. Yeah, look, I, I obviously respect your opinion, Big V, but I'm I'm strongly of the view that she should go, if she's sound, obviously. I mean, you wouldn't take a horse that had any question marks around it, you know, across the world to run in the arc. But I, I don't share the same, I guess, disappointment around this prep. I'd be struggling to find many owners or trainers that would be disappointed with running, winning a Group 1 and running second in a Group 1 in a four-start prep. Obviously, we have high expectations for, for Very Elegant, but I think all four of her runs were on bottomless tracks. So, I mean, that's my only concern with her, whether that's had an impact on her ability to get up and be fresh and be able to, to get overseas and, and fight. But, yeah, no, uh, certainly a decent discussion point, and I look forward to hearing what Connections end up doing. And a question for you, and I've tried to come up with a, a tough question for you to answer, and... Should a horse lose a race for excessive whip use? And obviously I'm referring to the Queen Elizabeth. We think it over. Nash Willa was fined $40,000 for excessive whip use. And you were on Zaki as well. And and you um, thought you had the money and you got beat by a horse that used the, had the whip used excessively. Yeah, it's disappointing uh, as a punter to hear after the race that the horse that you backed was beaten by a horse that where you know where the rules were broken. And I, as we've discussed in the pod before, Big V, the the fines are just not going to be a deterrent. Like Nashua Willer isn't going to not do that again next time in order to win a Queen Elizabeth Stakes worth four million dollars. So the deterrent isn't there. I think is the first point um, that I'd make. But I also think for the connections, for the owners, for trainers, um, it's a 
does the punishment fit the crime to to lose the race? That's that's a that's a big statement. I mean, if it had been one too many times, is that different to ten too many times? I mean, where do you draw the line? I suppose um, it's very hard to be black and white with an issue like this. I know there is some strict rules, but I would have been uncomfortable if Think It Over had been taken away as the winner for that race because of that issue. I think the solution, um, if you're not going to take away the race, because it is an annoyance to punters and um, obviously the jockeys don't care, uh, is to just get rid of the whips altogether, Big V. Doesn't that solve the problem? Yeah, I, I don't think it does. I think you're, uh, I, th- I think you're on the wrong track there. I think you're being, <laughs> trying to be, are you supposed to be an activist there? I think, uh, no, I don't think taking away the whips are the answer. I, I wasn't advocating Big V. I'm saying if we're looking for a solution to the problem, that might be it. But to take away a race um, for a couple extra whip uses, uh, it seems excessive, but I don't have the solution to the problem. And I'm I'm sure there's many great minds trying to work that out, Big V, because it isn't a good look. It isn't fun to hear that that happened on the weekend. And, yeah, they do need to do something about it. I think they need to change. They need to make some changes. And when you calculate how much prize money Nash would have won from that race, and I I think a rough estimate, it might be around 130000 So he's been fined 40000 so he's still going to come away with 90000 which is pretty good money. Maybe you've got to take away the entire prize money from the, the jockey. But the thing is, mate, there's no way the connections aren't filling that gap for him. But so it's, it's... They're not going to fill in 90000 130000 are they? Oh, we, we, who, who knows? But I, I think they'd probably help, help him with the forty. Because you know, I just think it's um it's fraught when you bring the money part into it. I mean, unless it's an excessively high amount of money. Yeah, just because I just think in group ones like this, and particularly when you're getting towards the end of the carnival, where you know the in, there's no more. There's a okay, we've got a couple of group ones coming up next week, but he's also been I think suspended for two weeks. But you know they'll, they'll cop the the break as well because they'll they'll just take a a little holiday to refresh and you know. In the next couple of weeks, there's not going to be many big races. Uh, I think they've got to do something because it, it, you might as well have a free-for-all. I mean, Jamie Carr could have given Zaki a few more with the whip and won the race, but it doesn't matter. It's a $4 million group one group one race. You're still getting decent prize money. It's going to, it, it turns, it's going to end up becoming a, a free-for-all for every jockey. Well, the challenge is, too, that different horses react differently to the whip. Um, Jamie Carr is such a wonderfully balanced rider that I don't think she needs to use the whip to encourage her horses, but, and some horses wouldn't react the same way that perhaps think it over does. So yeah, I think we could probably talk about that one all day. Big V very poignant question to bring up given it was such a big issue in the major race on the, the biggest day of the Sydney carnival. That's for sure. But mate, you touched on a couple of the horses that you wanted to follow moving forward. You mentioned that, the sort of biggest races are sort of finished, but we still have some Group Ones coming up, Big V. So we're keen, I'm keen to hear about who I'll be backing in the weeks to come. Yeah, I've taken away some of the oh, what what word am I looking for? Some of the the build up towards our horses to follow. I've already mentioned a couple: Deep Strike, Magic Max, and one from Morford Bill that won impressively, Harley Moving that's heading towards the SA Derby. So there, there's a couple there. How about your Big horses v, to follow? It's not like you to sort of go to the benchmark sort of 84s for your horses to follow. Um, I'll take over your usual role and I'll stick with the group ones. And um, you mentioned, I mean, calling Zaki a horse to follow is a no-brainer, but I still think it's our best weight-for-age horse in that sort of 1,600 to 2,000-metre range. Uh, it 
we, we always forget that it was a $2 favourite for the Cox Plate in spring. And I think, yeah, getting 5 and $6 about it in those sort of races might be ancient history, at least in the next uh, sort of season or two. Um, and the other one is a horse, another horse, and you mentioned as well, Mazu, obviously now faced the Group 2 test and beat the Group 1 horse in the Congo. So I think we can be pretty confident that it is a horse to follow moving forward as well. Yeah, a couple of long-range options there that you've given us, Phil. But, yeah, maybe Zaki, he's only had three runs this prep, so maybe could have a just a, a sneaky hit-and-run in Queensland. But, yeah, we'll find out if uh, if that's the way they, they go or they pull up stumps and wait for the spring. Um, that's all we do have time for on the Shooter Back to Podcast. Obviously, appreciate all your insights and uh, poignant questions today there, Big V, including your 3-2-1 as well, which obviously is becoming very popular um, as we've gone through the carnival. But uh, thanks to all our listeners. I hope you've managed to back a couple of winners and follow us in, even if uh, Big V didn't on Bella Nipatina. And uh, as always, good luck on the punt. <laughs>